Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and psychologist, Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes. I'm not really following, but I also don't want anyone to talk anymore. Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. Dave, I know you've been really wanting to get a lot of stuff off your chest about this. Um, what do you think about what's going on in Israel and Gaza right now? <laughs> okay, I only am <laughs> laughing to keep from crying. <laughs> um, obviously, terrible. It's a terrible time in history, but... Cornell doesn't take too kindly, apparently, to professors speaking about this. So, uh, you know, I've never been that shook before. We've talked about bestiality. We've talked about uh, all kinds of things. Child sex dolls. Sex with robots. We've we've tested our tenure in so many ways. (laughs) Chimpanzee consent. This is is a topic that uh, I'm just going to... I'll I'll let the experts discuss this. I, I don't want to lose my job at Cornell. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's I'm not really afraid of losing my job, but uh but there has been stuff going on at Cornell. Obviously, there's been a ton of stuff going on at Harvard. <laughs> right now, I think we're seeing like when real cancel culture comes into play. And I, I it, you know, obviously that, that this is not the most important thing, but I think a lot of the pro free speech people are staying pretty quiet about it for the most part. Not all of them. But a lot of them. Yeah. Art Forum editor-in-chief David Velasco was fired for just publishing an open letter calling for a ceasefire. Michael Eisen was fired for retweeting an Onion headline. Yeah, Uh, that's crazy. Some science, online science journal, right? Yeah, I don't remember. You're you're right. It's not like the most important thing that's going on, but I'm like actually disappointed in in my own institution. You know, this, this really is a time where if free speech were a principle, like this, this would be the time to stand up for it. But it's it's pretty incredible to see people who who normally wave the free speech banner being so comfortable, just like actually suppressing what some people are saying. And I like I do feel like I just because of my personal connection with Israel and also being a Jew that I kind of did want to say a few things and for people who don't want to hear any of this like we have chapter markers we'll put we'll put a, a skip the thing that you'll skip to is a concept con yeah and we are going to break down four concepts two of which are mid and cool the third and fourth are mysteries 
Um, yeah. We're each going to spring one on. This, this yeah. is real philosophy in real life, is essentially. R- rigorous conceptual analysis. Your concept. Your concept of concept con. Yeah, this is the first episode that we've done purely for the title, not for the actual <laughs> like potential of the episode. Um, if you want to get my a sense of my views on Israel's policies before October 7th, you can listen to that Overton Windows episode, which is on the main VBW feed. Bob Wright, by the way, is somebody worth listening to on this. So just to say right now we're recording on October 28th because uh, things change so fast. <laughs> right. um, so who knows what will happen even just on Tuesday when this drops. This is right after Israel has cut off all Internet and cell phone and phone communications in Gaza and they started a ground invasion. Uh, as far as we can tell. All I want to do, this is going to be quick, I just want to add to the kind of chorus of Jews around the world who are protesting Israel's response to the absolutely horrific Hamas terror attack. So, you know, not in any way to underplay how horrible that is, but uh, I think you can still absolutely legitimately protest how Israel is responding to it now and also express deep concern about what's to come. There's been a lot of protests that Jewish people have done. There was just one in Grand Central Station yesterday. You know, the general banner is not in our name. And I guess that's the main thing I wanted to say. You can be pro-Jewish without offering unconditional support to Israel and Israeli policies, right? I don't think that has anything to do with how you feel about Jews in general. And on the flip side, I think you can be a really harsh critic of Israel, what they're doing in Gaza right now, policies towards Palestinians over the last two decades, over the last, whatever, eight decades without being anti-Semitic. You can be anti-Zionist without being anti-Semitic. You can join BDS. You can call Israel apartheid, all of that. Now, I'm sure there are plenty of anti-Semites who hold those positions and may even use them cynically. But just having any one or however many of those positions and holding them does not make you anti-Semitic. Calling for a ceasefire expressing outrage. Right now, 8,000 Palestinians have been killed, 3,000 children. I think that's at least a reasonable position, right? And you shouldn't be censored or fired or demonized or called anti-Semitic for expressing those views. We've got to keep anti-Semitic to refer to the real Jew haters like yourself, you know? (laughs) We're diluting the importance (laughs) of that term. Well said, well said. And I'll say, you know, the people who, uh, there's a professor who got in trouble here at Cornell for saying in very poor taste saying stuff that was pro-Palestine like he, he did it very poorly um, but like what are you going to do like sometimes people say things in an assholeish way um, yeah there's this whole thing some people on the left including some people that I typically like and support did not condemn the Hamas attack sufficiently a lot of that was appalling but I also think that's not the main problem right now Hundreds of people are dying every day right now. Like, I I just think we've made enough of that. It's like maybe time to to actually think about what we should do now. You know, like what should happen? These are not people with power. And the people who do have power, the fact that every U.S. congressman are lining up to support this and to kind of conceal what's happening to some degree, that I find really appalling. Yeah. That's it. Well said. All right. So 
That said, let's turn to something. Maybe I think we deliberately chose something a little more lighthearted. Our time to lighthearted. Yeah, yeah. we, we want to be a, a, an oasis from uh, from some of the troubles of the world. And even just for me, because as you know, this has been weighing <laughs> on me quite a bit. So uh, yeah, you know, and I have a lot of pe- you know, I know a lot of people uh, who are glued online, um, and and yeah, we want we want to do something hopefully good for the, mental health. The doom scrolling <laughs> thing, I've never understood oh. until now. Yeah. Like, I've never yeah. been a doom scroller until now. I like see we're you, over, we're doom scrollers. <laughs> yeah, I, it's like how I was after Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia in that first uh, game of the World Cup. It was yeah. just like, <laughs> I, I could not stop reading. <laughs> I get it. Uh, can we do a little, remind people what we've done before? Yes. We we have done this uh, theme before. We started out doing our conceptual analysis of Corny. Was Corny the first one? I think so, yeah. And the idea yeah. is to apply the methods of analytic philosophy, the, the rigor, to a word. Yeah, we did Corny, we did Cringe, put out calls for concepts. This is the first concept con, though. Yeah. First annual, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> First annual. Should we start with mid? What do you think? Yeah, let's go. Let's do mid. A lot of these have been kind of Gen Z or maybe even to our shame, millennial uh, expressions. <laughs> I like mid because I just I like these concepts that we didn't quite have a word for. Yeah, like you said, these are Zoomer ter- terms, so so maybe it's cringe for us to be analyzing mid. <laughs> I think I definitely. There's no <laughs> question. <laughs> okay, so I take mid to be an expression that something is average, but in a pejorative sense. It's used as an insult to say, oh, this album is actually mid or that um, that movie was mid or whatever. I, what I thought was interesting about the way that I've seen mid used, it's a weirdly more insulting to call something mid, I think, than to call it bad. One of the things that people do is they use the term mid to refer to things that other people might think is really good. Or that where the expectations were high. So like you can say, oh, like that new Kanye album is actually mid. Yeah. And and there it's like giving the user a superiority over the aesthetic judgments of everybody else. And it's like, ooh, here's here's something you didn't expect. Margot Robbie is she's actually mid. Or what you're saying is like everybody thinks she's beautiful, but I think she's not that beautiful. That's like, I have a crazy. <laughs> Margot Robbie is not mid. Margot, if you're listening to this. I think that's right. I think it's deflationary. It is often used to deflate the pretensions of something and actually drag it back. You're just like the rest of this crap. You know, yeah. like Mar- like Marvel movies, obviously, for me, they're, they're a classic example of their mid, you know? Yeah. They've gone from mid to bad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Like, you couldn't even call them mid anymore. Now it would almost right. be a compliment. But if you were, like, back when people thought Ant-Man was good or, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever, and you all those movies, even the ones that people liked, are mid. I, I texted my nephews, Ozzy and Luke, uh... <laughs> uh the first one said five out of ten. Yeah, five out of ten. One of them said, like it's bad or boring or lame, not exciting. And then the other one says, <laughs> like Nate is mid. That's his little brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't I don't think you would just use it if something was just trying to be average. It was trying to be like it didn't have any pretensions for being yeah. better. Yeah. It's when the expectations might be higher, or like you said, when the crowd thinks that it's that it's yeah. good. There's an I mean, there's an interesting way in which just the concept of average has come to be pejorative. So like the the word average 
and it might be a particularly Western use of, of the term average where most people being called most people is bad in an individualistic. Yes, setting. exactly. Right. So if I said um, Scorsese is actually a mid director, I'm getting like these I'm trying to get hipster points. Well, I don't think you should be doing that for Martin Scorsese. I don't even think that's funny. To <laughs> Yeah, but think about how cool I would be if I could. No, but I, I don't think, like, I, I guess maybe we disagree about, I think calling Martin Scorsese mid would be also not the way the word is used. 40-year track record of putting out, like, amazing movies. It, it would be... Uh, just out of the bounds of you have to come up with something better. If it's, you don't like Martin Scorsese, you have to come up with something better than mid. I feel like he's clearly not I mean, mid. Th- this is just I think that's betraying how strongly you feel positively about Scorsese. But I, I be, like I'm sure that some people would feel like they're cooler for shitting on like what is universally agreed upon as being great. I, I don't think it's like something like that that has stood the test of time. I feel like I guess you could say like Mozart is mid or something like that. But (laughs) I I feel like that's not the way it's used most commonly. What I'm pointing to is only the unexpected nature of the judgment that it goes against the grain. Um, And so maybe you're right that like it's not going to be used for something that that has stood the test of time. But but I meant to indicate something that most people think is good. And so with something like a new movie, like everything, everywhere, all at once, there's usually like this trajectory of like hype, the hype train. And the first people to jump in in and say it's actually mid, um, I think, get rewarded in this hipster sense. um, Because, yeah, yeah. um, Or what I tried to do with uh, Parasite. Um. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's exactly right. You know, because Parasite had just come out. You could say, I completely disagree. I think it's a total masterpiece. But you could say Killers of the Flower Moon is mid. But I don't think you can say that Scorsese is mid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good. Parasite is mid is actually a, again, I disagree, but I kind of get where you're coming from. Um, Yeah, and it would be very different from me saying it's terrible. Because mm -hmm. one of the things that I felt about Parasite was actually out of context, it would be very like I would have thought it was extremely good. My expectations were just so high that that it led me to be like, actually, it's more middle of the pack than I thought that it would be, which is. Yeah. But when the kids are using it, I also do think they just use it also to describe something that just kind of is bad. Like, bad. They do. You're yeah. Right. Yeah. Bad in a kind of like mediocre way, like bad in a kind of boring way. You know, also. <laughs> right. here's a question. Yeah. I would start to wonder, like, how you distinguish basic from mid. Mm. Basic is one of those that I never quite have grokked. Like, I get grok is a good one. But, um, I took it to mean like sim- simple in some of the ways that simple is used. Um, but I don't know. I don't I can't. I don't have a good sense. What do you like? Do you have a distinction? I think basic is like a subcategory a of of mid. As much as I was saying that mid typically describes something that people like, but that is actually kind of boring and average and maybe a little lame. Like basic is more specific than that. It's like you're an archetype of something just unoriginal. Unoriginal. Like a, a, yeah. A, yeah. A, base, a person who's basic likes all of the things that you might. You know, someone of our generation who who right. thinks like I don't know, you too is great. Um, <laughs> right. Like if you liked like a, you too when I when we were in high yeah. school, like you were basic a little bit. Right. Yeah. It's interesting how these like the, the the whole concept of going with a crowd is so pejorative, but it's totally understandable in an individualistic culture that that um, yeah 
name your like top five mid academics. <laughs> <laughs> Present company excluded. <laughs> yeah, there is this thing that if you're if you are interestingly bad, you're not mid. Like that's you're a, not that's right. A good, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> If you write whatever sideways music, that article <laughs> right. isn't me, you know? No. no. Yeah. It's more like the people who are just kind of churning out the, the normal things. It's all kind of competently done. I do feel like there's a kind of competence with mid. It meets a bar. It meets a particular bar. Yeah. You know, you, for some reason, the artist that I think who's just consistently mid lately is Drake. Like, mm-hmm. there's a guy who just puts out, like, music that is now formulaic like the word churn if an artist is churning stuff out that they know is gonna satisfy some like percentage of people but not at all be original in the way that they used to be or something um then then yeah you get the label mid and i really do want to you start using the term basic for academics <laughs> for the people but what would publishing. you use it for their views or just the people themselves i've thought of basic as being an adjective for people yeah um, and so it. i want to use it as a way to describe an academic who they just toe the party line they they say exactly the thing that they were trained to say. You know, thinking about basic white girl also yeah. makes it sound like it's also somebody who ha- who has a level of privilege and comfort and the normality that comes with that yeah. is basic if you don't do anything interesting with it. I'm very glad that I think my daughter is not like that. But there were times, you know, there are times in a child's life where you see them really wanting to buy the stuff that other people have yeah. like the kind of fashions and and so like that. but you're right that the notion of privilege and my daughter was never like this thank god but but basic people who go out of their way to consume and purchase all of the things that everybody else is doing it's hard to be basic and and not have any of the stuff <laughs> the way you get every like apple product is a little basic i don't think you are basic but like yeah. that's something a basic person might do yeah although getting every windows product is probably more basic but yeah, <laughs> well <laughs> yeah that might be uh kludgy not kludgy uh chuggy 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 is that also like going with the crowd like that kind um i think uh, it's going uh, with aesthetic. the crowd from like eight years ago is the is, right. it's chuggy. Uh, oh yeah that's right that's right yeah, yeah. right it's so like, like when we being yeah. like a windows person is chuggy <laughs> <laughs> you being a mac person is basic Right. So, also so catching on to a to a trend. Is it catching on to a trend late or hanging on to the trend late? Yeah. Or coming to it late and not even knowing it's over, but like right. still doing it, you know. Right. Like a, perhaps with our use of slang for our daughters. Definitely. Um, like I remember what, once we started talking about cringe, somebody was saying cringe is over. Like just it's over. Stop. This is the problem with, you know, slang used to because the, the Internet wasn't a thing. Slang would take a long time to spread and then persist for longer so when i was a kid for something to be rad like that lasted years yeah. like there was no turnover this no. quick turnover awesome you know? kind of started awesome, with exactly. uh, gen x and it's like we still have it yeah i was asking my daughter for the mystery concept i was asking for suggestions and i was like how about fire she's like oh my god nobody says that anymore <laughs> oh my yeah. god like what's wrong with you it's like when you see like, nothing gives me the corny chills more than seeing like an old white person still raising the roof. <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> 
we've given you just free conceptual analysis on like yeah, we think all we're sorts tossing of all this in. Yeah. Do you think that we sometimes waste these I- golden ideas um, by not publishing them and just t- talking about them in podcasts where we yeah. could be writing this? You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I do. We could be churning out articles on this. No, yeah. look, actually, yes, because look at Harry Frankfurt. He just takes right. bullshit and turns it into like millions like and million, yeah. millions of yeah. dollars, you know? Yeah. So give us our millions or at least <laughs> some of the money that we'll have lost because of my Israel uh, opinions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be right back to talk about cool, interesting, and two mystery concepts. This episode of Very Bad Wizards is brought to you by our longtime sponsor, BetterHelp. Have you ever experienced those moments in life when you knew exactly what was good for you, but somehow you can't seem to get it done? Like you're fully aware of what you should do, what's in your best interest, but for whatever reason you can't make it happen? Well, then you're probably like me then, and you're not alone. The good news is that for many people, therapy turns out to be an effective way to figure out what's holding you back so that you can start working for yourself instead of against yourself. I've seen firsthand how therapy has been able to transform the lives of some of my friends and family, and it really isn't just for people who've experienced severe major events, trauma, or is undergoing severe depression. Uh, It's for anyone who wants to improve their mental well-being. And therapy is a powerful tool for helping personal growth. It helps you learn coping skills helps you learn how to set boundaries. It generally just allows you to become the best version of yourself that you can be. It's like having a trusted guide to navigate through your life's challenges. So if you've been thinking at all about starting therapy, BetterHelp makes it incredibly easy. Everything is online. It's designed to be convenient, to be flexible, to be tailored to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire. They match you with a licensed therapist Uh, who will suit your needs. And if they don't, this is the great part about BetterHelp, you can switch therapists anytime at no additional charge until you find the right fit for you. So if you're ready to take that step toward living a happier, uh, healthier life, if you're ready to uh, put some investment into your mental health and well-being, BetterHelp is there to support you every step of the way. Start your journey to a better you with BetterHelp today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash VBW and you'll get 10% off of your first month of therapy. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash VBW. Our thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of Very Bad Wizards. Just spill over on you.
Welcome back to Very Bad Wizards. This is the time of the episode where we always take a moment to thank all of our listeners, all the people who get in touch with us, who interact with us on all the various platforms. You can email us, verybadwizards at gmail.com. We still read all the emails, even if we don't have time to respond to more than a small fraction. Um, you can tweet at us, at peas, at Tamler, at Very Bad Wizards. You can join the Reddit community where there's lively discussion of all of our episodes. I'm, I think I'll just stay away from Reddit after the opening of this episode. You can follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to us on Spotify and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We love getting those Apple Podcast reviews. Those five-star reviews are especially appreciated because they help us connect with listeners who don't know about the podcast yet but might like it. And of course, word of mouth is the best way for that to happen. If you would like to support us in even more tangible ways, all of them are available on our support page. You can give us a one-time or recurring donation on PayPal. You can buy some swag. And of course, you can become one of our beloved Patreon supporters. And we have all sorts of different tiers for $1 and up per episode. So $2 a month, you get all ad-free episodes, plus seven volumes of Dave's Beats. At $2 and up per episode, you get access to all the bonus episodes we've done, the whole archive, seven to eight years worth on movies, on shows. We did one on Ghosts. There are a bunch on Star Trek. And of course, it's highlighted by what some people are calling. I'm not weighing in myself, but some people are calling it the greatest audio event since, I don't know, Pericles Funeral Oration. And that, of course, is The Ambulators, where David and I break down every episode of my favorite TV show of all time, Deadwood. We just finished a long deep dive into the season two finale, so you now have deep dives on every episode from the first two seasons. You also get occasional episodes of Overton Windows, my series with Bob Wright, we just recorded an episode on the trans debate. I don't know what the, the fuck is wrong with me, but that's what we did. So that should come out before too long. At $5 and up per episode, you get access to our five-part series on the Brothers Karamazov, which, again, some people are calling the second best audio event since the funeral oration. And you can also vote for the Patreon listener-selected episode. We do that around every six months. And you might think, oh, that's not that big a deal. But we just did a three-part episode on the winning topic from last time, Blood Meridian. And finally, at $10 and up per episode, you get to ask us questions in our monthly Ask Us Anything episodes. And we'll answer them in video form for you and also audio form for you and all of our bonus tier listeners. So there's a ton going on. We hope you're enjoying all of this. And honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for all your support. You cool, man. My cow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, let's move on in our uh, <laughs> churning out conceptual analysis. The concept cool. This is a little bit tough because of how much that word is used to across the board. So we agreed that we were going to just talk about cool in the context of referring to a person, which right. even then is 
pretty broad. Very um, broad. Yeah. All right. Do you want to start? All right. So if we're talking about people, right, and we're not in like the 50s or the 60s or the, even the 70s where it just means you get high, I think it's generally positive. You can kind of trust them not to be like a bitch, you know, if somebody's cool. Yeah. yeah. They have maybe a little self-awareness, a little sense of irony. Like I was thinking cringe being on one side of the spectrum cool is on the other where a person they may be awkward but if they but if they're cool they they have some awareness of their limitations and so i think those are the kind of baseline things and then all that stuff is necessary but not sufficient and then you just also need something else like something more positive that you bring a sense of humor like good looks maybe i don't know like a just a chill attitude about things i don't think looks yeah, actually, yeah, I take heard, that back. Yeah, yeah it, it's yeah. not. It has nothing to do with Lex. Go ahead, uh, go someone ahead, could have a cool look, but you would be talking about the look more than the person. Yeah, right. Yeah. What they put into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're sort of saying what I'm what I'm about to say. You sort of said in different words, but I, I was gonna say somebody who has some confidence, like that they're mm-hmm. comfortable in their own skin, and I think that's yeah. the opposite. Like. The opposite of cringe, again, where somebody who doesn't try too hard. Um, if you try too hard, I think that's very much the opposite of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Try hard is another thing on the other side of the spectrum. <laughs> right, right. There is a sense of cool that um, I think I use it, so I don't think it would be necessary. But there is an unflappability that I think it comes with being cool where they're not going to be too bothered by small things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I, again, feel like for me, I use it to refer to somebody who's fairly low maintenance. So like, yeah. you don't need to worry too much about what you say or do around them or like whether, you know, like yeah, that exactly. Yeah. Low maintenance is, I think another maybe ne- necessary condition for cool. Yeah. Like somebody could be, you could have a, a good impression of them in other ways, but if, if you're really worried about like how they'll interpret something or you know, yeah. overreacting to something, then they're just not cool. Right. They can be good in other ways. Uh, <laughs> As academics, I feel like we we don't often encounter people who are cool in the sense that like I need. I think it's domain up. specific. So I think we encounter kind of cool, ac- but they're cool academics. They wouldn't be cool if they were out in LA, like trying to right. break into the business. And the, yeah, and so the way if you if I said to you um, if we were at a conference uh, yeah. and I said you got to meet so-and-so, they're really cool. You probably would understand that I didn't mean that like they wore cool clothes, and the, <laughs> right. but rather that they were fun in a way that yes. that deserves being called out, that they're, uh, they're just a, an, or interesting uh, to talk to somebody who you would enjoy um, like having lunch with. Like yeah. you say, no maintenance, it would be relaxing. And I do think like, you know, as many people in academia are cool, if not more than in like finance or something like that, you know, <laughs> or, or like, you know, like it does carry with it like a relative to the other people in that field and also kind of relative to what the expectation should be yeah. for right. uh, uh, for someone like that. This, the word is so old that it is kind of interesting to me to think about like... Um, what cool has meant over the years. And I was doing a little bit of, of research on the origins of the term cool. And n- no surprise here, I think was probably every piece of slang. 
yeah. uh, that's popular now. It it did come from black people, like African Americans, and the sort of jazz tradition and the cool cat. And Miles you, Davis that, was like the epitome, yeah, like, like paradigm, platonic form of cool. Right. And I think that there always has been a white fascination with black coolness where uh, white Americans borrowed a lot from the aesthetic and from the demeanor of... of borrowed and, and, slash appropriated. <laughs> appropriated. <laughs> yeah. And then, then like, it's Fonzie. <laughs> it's, like, then there's, like, this Fonzie way of being cool, which yeah. is just, like... I'm not quite sure what that is, but it's definitely confidence, and it's like everybody likes them. Yeah. Yeah. There's also the kind of Western hero or the, like, kind of silent, uh, stoic kind of cool that under pressure uh, they can handle um, whatever comes at them. Clint Eastwood in the Man With No Names movies is really cool, you know? Right. Yeah. Definitely unflappable. Yeah, there's a way in which, a very, very situation-specific way in which you use the word cool that sort of has the same um, connotation of being uh, undisturbed. Think about being at a conference and somebody, you're in the bathroom doing drugs with somebody and then a new person walks in and you get a little nervous and your friend says, no, no, they're cool. Cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're cool. That's what it doesn't you mean, mean like, that they're going to do drugs, but it means that they don't give a shit like right. whether or not. They're not going to uh, hassle you. I think that's yeah. what we were kind of both saying at first. It's like yeah. you can trust them that they're not going to raise problems unnecessarily. Yeah. Okay, here's what I wanted to ask you. Were you cool like in high school? Uh, well, definitely. Like, so the answer is emphatically, definitively no until <laughs> possibly like senior year. Yeah, uh, no, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say about myself. <laughs> Once all the older kids uh, weren't there to serve as a comparison, <laughs> and, and also just I needed to get my shit together a little bit more. And that doesn't mean I was cool as a senior. It's just that's it's only a conversation once you get to my senior year and then you know i think i was a kind if if i was cool i was a kind of combination of cool slash dorky but fun and up for anything and a drunk yeah so i would say i was i i I think you know if you did a poll of my high school at the time i'm not sure (laughs) the poll (laughs) voted the results but you know like you can't trust voting these days anyway so Nate Silver can tell you whether or not you're cool. Speaking (laughs) of like someone who's really cool. (laughs) Uh, I think that, so yeah, my answer is the same. And it, I think me being cool depended on the definition of cool. Like when people matured a bit and they changed their notion of what it meant to be cool, because for a lot of time, at least where I grew up, say looks actually did matter for what people thought was cool and athletic ability was also a big one yeah and i was definitely had not grown into my (laughs) self in terms of looks uh and so i was nerdy and not athletic and so i always felt like i had no shot of being cool like i looked at the cool kids as this like other that i was envious of and then my senior year, maybe a little bit before, 
it, personality sort of dictated whether or not you were cool way more than what you wore or whether you did sports or whether you hung out with like other cool people. And then I feel like, okay, now I actually have a shot at, at being called cool. Which also makes me think it is relative to a certain group. I do think there's a kind of relativity to it as long as you meet like certain basic objective positions. You can't be a little bitch and be cool. Right. You know, like you can't try to, way too hard. Yeah. You can't be bothered by everybody around you. I, I was thinking irony or self-awareness is almost necessary. But like in the sense that the man with no name is cool, like I don't think he has a ton of self-awareness. Uh, so I do think like that's not a necessary condition, like like or maybe just a total unflappability and yeah. that kind of stoic unflappability is sufficient. You know? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. And you have a better shot of seeming cool if you don't talk a lot, because, yeah. you know, the man with no name, maybe once he started really talking, once he got to know you, maybe it turns out that his personality wouldn't be that cool. But the fact that he's unflappable and sort of silent makes him seem pretty cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what, like, the, like that would be a funny skit or something like that. Just... <laughs> he turns out to be like a big dork. He's like into model trains. <laughs> All he wants to talk about is your model train. <laughs> that also makes me think you can be cool, but maybe I also wouldn't like you. You know, like, yeah. I don't think saying somebody is cool is necessarily means that you're pro that person. Like, right. you can kind of accept that they're cool, but still think either they're a bad person or just not. So, again, that's not relative. That part isn't relative. Yeah. I feel that about a lot of bands, you know. Right. Right. Yeah, that's good. That's a good example. The, I am a little uh, envious of the generations like these more recent generations because i do think that when i was growing up being nerdy was uh inconsistent with being cool it was is like conflicted with the notion of cool if you were a geek or a nerd it meant you weren't cool the whole thing like where being a geek was is a cool thing is yeah. just something i did not experience like I got picked on for it. I didn't get ever celebrated for it. But I, I don't know. Like, I feel like they were right to pick on us. You know, I don't like this new nerd celebration. I feel like uh, there is then they a... become like, you know, then they turn into these like Reddit guys that just yeah. hassle everybody because they got encouraged. You know, those people used to be <laughs> Bill Burr had a thing about this, like in the kind of natural ecosystem, the bullies were like a check on these nerds and then you took that away and so now they just get to run wild you know i i'd ra i don't mind nerds running wild um where i as opposed to bullies um but i do agree with the embracing of whatever nerd dumb and geek dumb means that there are a lot of people who disingenuously adopt geekness who aren't actually geeks like they're not actually the people who are whatever uh, obsessive nerds about some niche that you can be a geek about these people like just being a geek became mainstream in a way that i think has has destroyed a lot of just i don't know like the reddit people that you're talking about like that but i think also you know the empowered actual nerds that can get to be toxic yeah. like the mark zuckerbergs of the world <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> now they run the fucking world. Yeah, all of the Silicon Valley guys, that's what happens when 
the nerds are allowed to just roam free. You know, it's like if you. So you're have, saying if Sam Bankman Freed had just been bullied a bit more, he might yeah. not have. <laughs> Where were the bullies? You know. <laughs> There are a lot of bully, like <laughs> potential bullies that are complicit in his I agree with scandal. this. I agree with this particular take here that the bullies would have kept. And I got bullied and I do feel like this built in a humility to me. Yeah, <laughs> that, right. I mean, the irony of, of proclaiming myself as humble is not lost on me. But you know what I mean. Right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Kind of forced to recognize that I would have to struggle in this world <laughs> <laughs> right that puts some hair on our chest getting like our ass kicked and like made fun of and yeah uh, and insulted. one thing i never have been cool and never will be cool about is fashion so i just yeah. learned That's, i don't disagree with that actually like i yeah. feel like i aspire after whatever level of coolness you have with fashion <laughs> yeah you have that nerd cool uh, <laughs> kind of combination i think <laughs> I try. I try very hard, Tamler. Yeah, and I feel like if I, if I'm open about like the yeah areas where I'm trying hard, then it that's takes the some of that away. Yeah, that's the self awareness and irony, <laughs> self deprecation. You know, self deprecation yeah. is a good way to make yourself cool if you are if lacking you don't certain have, exactly. Yeah, lacking certain uh, cool attributes. You know. <laughs> yeah. Totally. All right. Are we done with cool? Do we have anything I else to so. say about that? I think we've definitively defined the term. Say, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> All right, it's time for Bring Your Own Concept. Spring Your Own Concept. Mystery concept. Mystery I'm concept. always looking for gimmicks, you know? <laughs> We need theme, theme I wanted to this. do this all mystery concepts. So yeah, I, I wisely know. like <laughs> said no to that. Um, and in fact, you already know this one because I told you. Um, but I uh, wanted to stick with it because I think it's an interesting discussion. So that my concept is one night stand. And so let me just pose you a few questions about mm -hmm. a one night stand. Uh, so. I think we all understand one night stands as being uh, like a sexual hookup with somebody who you don't know and there's no relationship involved. But it does give rise to some interesting questions about what constitutes a one night stand because and, and can shed light on what the whole purpose of the concept is. Because I think a lot of people, and probably to, to be realistic, a lot of women don't like to have a lot of one night stands. Like there is a stigma associated with like reporting that you are somebody who has had a lot of one night stands. And so I think people sometimes bend Isn't that the concept. still true as much as it used in to be? Some, in some, definitely for some, yeah. in some communities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, should, to, to be fair, there should be no double standard. I mean, to be, to be fair, but, no women should ever do this. Admit to whores they, if they, they do. Should, <laughs> they should not admit to it. You should keep keep two books is my uh, advice. Here's my question. So just a series of questions. If you have sex with somebody that you meet that night and you go to a hotel room and you have sex and the next morning you part ways and never talk to each other again, I think that's the clear paradigmatic one night stand. If you have sex with that same person like a year later, do you erase that as a one night stand from your list? No, I no. don't think so. 
I think you could marry somebody that you had a one night stand with oh, initially. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, like once something is a one night stand, it's a one night stand. You know, like the only time it would even be a question is if uh, you ended up calling them like three days later, you know. And yeah, well, I was like, going to ask, like, what if you meet somebody like you're on vacation and you have sex the one night and then in the morning you like have a quickie before parting, <laughs> before parting. definitely away. still a one night stand. You brought <laughs> okay. that up before when we were talking yeah. about this and like, yeah, yeah. You're not compelled by this, uh, by no. this. I don't think so. Like, I think one I night know. includes... Like the, the time that you get into the person's house or they get into your house to the time that they leave. And oh, so you could have like a fuck fest, like three days of like cocaine and like and and fuck. I do think it has to be within 24 hours, I guess. Uh, uh, but because then it's like the, the one night, like there can't be two nights, you know. So once the sun sets on uh, <laughs> on the day that you had a, what that you had sex the night before and then yes it's like the jewish way of determining like (laughs) when shabbos starts and then like once there's three stars in the sky uh that one night stand is over and if you're still with her then it's (laughs) a two night stand you're you're married (laughs) you're officially in the eyes of god (laughs) you're you're married (laughs) ironically if you are trying to avoid being called uh like a whore (laughs) <laughs> you should have sex more with the same person, even if you have like no intention of being in a relationship. I maybe. don't think that doesn't make you a whore or whatever. It just makes you not have had a one night stand with the person. You know, but it but it it might be to your advantage because then if a future partner says, How many one night stands have you had? you'd be like, Oh my god, I've never had a one night stand. <laughs> because <laughs> I guess. <laughs> All right, here's my other question. So it seems as if one night stand uh, requires that there not be an expectation that there's a relationship even starting. Because I feel like if you go out on a date and you really hit it off and you're like, hey, this might be somebody, right? So here's an example. You go out on, yeah. yeah, you go on a date and you really like somebody and uh, the chemistry is such that uh, you just, con- you consummate it that night. But you're like excited because you think this is somebody you could really be with. And the next day they get in a car accident and die. Have you had a one night stand? I I didn't think (laughs) we were going in that direction, actually. Uh, I thought you were taking it. No, I don't think that's a one night stand if they were both into it. You know, like if maybe the question is if only one of them was in. Like one of them thought, all right, that that was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, in my example, they're both. In my example, it's like a, you know, um, a tragedy because you thought you both were. Then it's a tragedy that they died in the car accident, but there's not an additional tragedy of it. The last thing they did was a, a one night stand. <laughs> it was a one night stand. Yeah. Okay, so here's an example of having sex one night with a stranger that doesn't qualify as a one night stand. Um, so this is, we're getting somewhere. Because, um, That's uh, your Gettier case right there. Yeah, really? You know, they were really, they went on a date, they met on Tinder or whatever. <laughs> and next 50 years <laughs> of epistemology will just be focused on this. <laughs> uh, see, this is why I feel like we're wasting it on, on, uh, on in audio rather than, than writing a tome of conceptual analysis, important we conceptual really analysis. <laughs> I think that's all the questions I have for a one night stand. Um, I, I thought you were going like this, though. So let me uh, pose this question to you, which is if, if somebody goes on a date let's, and they have sex that night and it was great. And then from one person's perspective, 
that was it. Like, thanks. Nice to meet you. But from the other person's perspective, they kind of thought this might lead to something. Is that a one night stand objectively? Is it a one night stand from just the person who wanted to get out oh, perspective? Yeah. Can can the same night, can the same event be a one night stand from one person's perspective but not another's? It is a really good question. I, I thank thank you for uh, well, devoting I have some conceptual analysis to this. <laughs> um, okay, so I think what has happened is you were tricked into having a one night stand. I think both people had a one night stand. So you really think so like you really think that there was a connection there and the person ghosts you and you realize yeah. that the whole time their intention was just to have a one night stand. I feel like you have unwittingly been um victimized into one night standiness. But what if you knew going in that that was a possibility that you know uh, yeah. the person wouldn't be into continuing it, but you did it anyway. So there's it. no sense in which you were tricked. You knew the risks, yeah. and you did it. And anyway. you wanted it to be more than one night. But like, you wanted it yeah. to be more than one, and you yeah. also you also went into it thinking, hopefully, that's where this is going to go. Yeah. I, I think I, that's still a one night stand. I'm inclined actually. to say, yeah, I'm inclined yeah. to say that that's sort of the risk of having sex with somebody on the first night. And the way you would talk about it is you would say, yeah, it turned out to be a one night stand. I didn't want it to be, but it was. Right. Now, I assume that one night stands have to have to be uh, like uh, reach a certain level of of sexual contact to qualify. Like a hand job is not a one night stand. Right. Where, yeah. That's right. I think you have to get to third base, at least. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, my last concept. If this isn't cringe enough already, it's about to get it's about to get about as cringe as you could possibly imagine. It's Riz. Do Riz? you know that? I don't know what that is. You don't I have know no Riz? Idea. This was my no. okay. So first of all, again, I, I kind of canvassed with my daughter and, and she suggested Riz as a good one. And I said, but what if he doesn't know it? He'll, he'll know it. She said, <laughs> well, God bless her for thinking so highly of <laughs> having my finger on the pulse of, uh, <laughs> of culture. Well, so Riz is the, easy, the first way to just get into it is to say that it's just like game. Like if someone has oh, Riz, okay. they have game. They can talk oh, yeah. to girls. Uh, again, I'll read you my <laughs> nephews. One of them says, having good riz means you're good with girls and you get play. Bad riz. And this is the like way that riz is a real advance over game, right? Okay. Bad riz means you can't talk to girls for shit. Yeah, I have riz, so I get play. Same. <laughs> Nate and Liam, their little <laughs> brothers, not so much. So you can use riz in like a sentence, you know, like so you can call, say, someone so rizzy. You know, uh, uh, you can say he's the Riz King, he's the Rizzler, Riz God, <laughs> Rizard of Oz, which I really it, like. Is it, is it right that I, I just looked it up and it says that it's short for charisma? Yeah, it's it comes okay. from charisma. And I think, like, you know, we don't really have a word that is as flexible and adaptable as uh, so, so you can focus on one domain. Like, when you were single, you had that conference, Riz, right? Uh, you yeah. could... I see. Yeah. It can be an adjective about a person. It can be an adjective about like a specific context, you know. But is it always about being attractive? 
No, right. it's about so this is the thing. Right. It's like you can talk to girls. You might not be attractive. You might but not even all, okay. like end up like hooking up with them, but you can chat them up, you know, in that way but it's, it's like ju- game. okay. But it is about like um it's in the domain of of like yeah. sex and sexuality. Okay. Is it only to describe guys? I asked this question. I, my sense of the answer was basically yes, but maybe, you know, in the gay community or the lesbian community, they will say that somebody has riz. If I guess, like, it does seem very focused on the, the object that you have riz with is yeah. girls or women, you know? Okay. Yeah. Right. So game is flexible in a different way because you can have game you can have game for anything where it's like not a domain specific skill you could say like his his uh his shoe his sneaker game is on point right so and, and that you wouldn't do that for riz riz is very yeah. focused on like so in, in that way the charisma thing is right it's like you can just charm them you know through right. whatever means it could be looks it could be you make fun of them and yourself in just the right way, whatever it is. Well, when you said that this was going to be cringy, um, I thought you were going to say cap. Um, I'm glad like, you didn't say no cap. No cap. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to propose simp, but I think we've talked about that already. <laughs> yeah. We? But we yeah. could do a good, like, we could say that, but we could do a good, like, full on conceptual analysis of simp. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot more to say. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot. Like I I like this. We we need more ideas from our listeners. Um, yeah. We won't do woke though. Stop asking us to do woke. Uh, my I want to do woman. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> I wanted to do race. Yeah. Um. But but Tamler was like, no, I'm afraid of what people will say about my about my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely me. He was like, no. Oh God, no. <laughs> what if? All right. All right, is that it? Is that all we're giving our loyal listeners after three-part episode on Blood Meridian, which is actually <laughs> very good, and fuck all of you who didn't like it, but, you know, still, if you hadn't read were it. Were there people? I, I, I can't imagine that there were people who didn't like it. Um, but can I say one thing about looking up concepts? Um, when I was trying to do some research on both figuring out what concepts to talk about and then researching the concepts we we're going to talk about, there's like all these slang dictionaries and articles about like 15 Zoomer words that you should know or whatever. And yeah. a lot of them are just wrong. It's yeah. like embarrassingly wrong. So I looked up Stan and there was like this article that was like definitive sounding. They were like, Stan comes from a combination of the term stalker and fan. And I was like, wait, that's just an Eminem song. Like, <laughs> It's like coincidental that it. I think that Stan actually does come from Stalker and Fan. Oh, it just comes from the song. Like, unless you mean Eminem made it. Oh, I see. Okay. This is interesting. I think it's like a backronym or whatever you would call it. It's true that nobody said Stan before the Eminem song. Yeah. And I doubt that he picked that name. I mean, maybe I he doubt did. that. Yeah. Right. So uh, unless that's what happened, right. I think. Yeah. So maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. I also feel like there was, though, like 10 years between that song and people saying I stand for this or, or that. And like I, I can point to where where it happened. I think that um, obviously I can never know <laughs> definitively. But when um, Nas used the term stand 
in his diss of Jay-Z. Um, he called him a fake, a pussy, a stan. That was, I think, the first time that the word stan had been used in that pejorative sense. And it was such a good diss song. And that was just one of the original things like, oh, shit, you called Jay-Z a stan. He was basically saying, you copied my style. You always wanted to be like me. I remember you trying to call me. You're a phony, a fake, a pussy, a stan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good question about like, so. but here's the thing. Let's say for the say, last thing, bonus yeah. content for our <laughs> listeners. Let's say these things are true. Eminem came up with the song, wasn't thinking like it's a happy coincidence that Stalker and Fan yeah. make Stan. But but then all this time passes. Nobody. W w what year is the Nas song? 2001. I, I still yeah. feel like, though. People weren't saying Stan in like the mid 2000s. Like, like maybe he used it in the song, but like, I don't feel like people were using it in. Uh, I, th I think you're right, but I, I do think that he, Nas coined it to mean that. And I think that it took some root in the hip hop community where some people <clears throat> were saying it. And interestingly, now it's become like a, a, something that people will embrace. Like, if I say I'm a Stan of MF Doom, it's just saying, like, I admit that I'm obsessed with yeah, MFD. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it actually doesn't <laughs> right. have the like original connotation. The yeah. The stalker yeah. of it. It just means you're probably a little too into it. Exactly. Into that and like I admit it. Like yeah. I'm a stand. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> like I stand for, you know, totally. Thomas Nagel or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's weird, but sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's lost its pejorative connotations in like actually almost any context these days. People don't use it to mean like stalker anymore as yeah. much as just you're not just a fan. You you know, you stand for that. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so words mm -hmm. can change like marriage, like anti-Semite, uh... you know. <laughs> I, I like to stick to the original meanings. I like to be that kind of person who denies <laughs> that <laughs> words mean anything other than what they originally meant. Um, Once the meaning is set, that's it. You can't. Yeah, uh, exactly. It, it'll never exactly. change. Exactly. Don't try to change it. Make a know? new word if that's what you want. Like, like Germans. <laughs> just make up exactly. a new word. Combine random words together for, for your new concept. Yeah. Leave the old words alone. All right. Well, that's it from us today. Join us next time on Very Bad Wizards. Just a very bad wizard.